Well, good morning, boys and girls. Listen, I know many of you have been involved in packing shoeboxes for Operation Christmas Child. If you've helped pack a box at your house or in your Sunday school room or in uh, Ignite, yeah, look at that. I brought my granddaughters from Florida to help us pack boxes this weekend. Their parents were so nice to come up here and visit, and we put them to work. And this morning, I packed my last box. I packed Kara this morning, and she is my last box that I've packed. And we're going to send her somewhere in the world. We don't know where she's going yet, but she's going to some boy or girl that we've been praying for. And we've been asking that that boy or girl who gets Kara will have an opportunity to know Jesus because we've put a lot of things inside Kara's box here, not only to show that we love that person, but more importantly, Jesus loves them and that he has a plan to save not only them, but everybody in their family and everybody in their village. And so how are we supposed to get Kara from here all the way around the world? If she starts walking, she might be able to make it by next year, but she's not going to walk. Right after church today, all these boxes are going to get taken down to the new life building. And then this week, we're going to be packing these boxes into cartons, and we're going to be shipping them to Atlanta. And from Atlanta, they're going to get on planes and ships. You didn't know they had ships in Atlanta, did you? And then they're going to go all over the world until they reach their final destination. Some of these boxes will get to their final destination on the back of a camel or a donkey or something else. Yeah, because they don't have cars. They don't even have roads. So we need to pray and give thanks for all the boxes like Kara that they'll get to the right child at the right time. God, thank you for hearing our prayers. Thank you for blessing all these shoe boxes and the boys and girls who've been busy packing the things to go in their boxes to show Jesus love. Thank you for teaching us how we can be saved from our sins. In his name, amen.
Buzz, Amanda, Brent and Catherine, come on up. We're going to talk a few minutes about some exciting and wonderful things God's doing in our church through you and through these folks that have come up here to be put on the spot for a few minutes this morning. We have a number of ministries in our church that we use a lot of initials about, and I want to make sure you know what some of these initials are. And we're going to talk about this morning FAM ministry. You've been getting a lot of emails you see it in your bulletin every week. Well, FAM stands for Family Advocacy Ministry. And the more I say that, the more I stumble on my words because Family ad- Advocacy Ministry is hard to say all in one breath. But this morning you're going to learn all about it. And as we talk about all these shoeboxes that are going all over the world to reach people for Jesus Christ and to share His love, we have the same opportunity right here in Troop County and in LaGrange. God has called us and commissioned His church to minister to widows and to orphans. It's up to us to care for children. They didn't choose to be born into hurting homes, and we can choose to help them. So I'm going to start off by putting Buzz Jeter on the spot. Buzz, I want to ask you to come up here and give us an overview of the FAM Ministries, Family Advocacy Ministries, and to help our church get a glimpse of what goes on. That is very easy for you to say. Family Advocacy Ministries was implemented in the spring of 2017. This ministry uses Safe Families and Promise 686 as models to support, love, and encourage adoptive families and families in crisis. We offer a whole buffet, I like to say, of of things that you can do. You can choose a lot of different things that you can do to help this ministry. You You can help our ministry through prayer. You can help our ministry through donations, or you can be involved in our ministry as one of our, our um, care groups or whatever way, however much or little as you want to be involved in the group. Currently, we have three care groups surrounding one foster family and two adoptive families. These care groups serve like a Sunday school class by sharing prayer requests, providing a monthly meal, which allows a family to receive a weekly meal because you're only donating once a month. And we currently have three members serving as tutors to uh, children. We also have a care group that's in place to um, come around Rob and Mandy Bowman. They're, they've been, a, uh, once the state approved them, approves them they, as foster parents, we've got a care group ready uh, to go around them. My daughter Amanda is also waiting for the state's approval as a foster parent and will be in need of a care group as well. We have a monthly frozen food drive, which this morning we literally pretty much filled the freezer up this morning, and thank you all so much for the support of that. Um, These meals are allowed us to share Christ through several local foster families that are outside the church, reaching outside of our church family into the community. And uh, we've also given food to two birth families as their children return to the family um, from foster care. These meals have been used by our care groups on the weeks that they did not have a member to provide the meal also. We also have a books, book donations for in the library. We've had purchased some books in the library to assist families in fostering, adopting, or simply experiencing trauma in their family. Um, we've got several books in there, and we have a fam closet, which really comes, um, 
comes in handy for those working in the safe family because they're, they're usually in a shorter time frame than us foster parents are. Foster parenting is usually a little longer so we can gather up the things that we need like high chairs or whatever, but in safe families it's usually a little shorter period of time. So, you know, there's families that are involved in that that um, might not have everything they need. Thank you, Buzz. Great overview of what FAM, Family Advocacy Ministry is all about. And now I'm going to put some of these others on the spot. Uh, we'll start with the Conrads. I brought a handy microphone. <laughs> First of all, I want to ask you, um, from donations of high chairs to being a safe family or a foster family, even an adoptive family, what do you do? What is your role in this ministry and why did you choose to get, in, get involved? Well, I knew last spring when we had a similar service like this that it was really on my heart to help out these families in some manner, some way. Um, Brent and I are a support family for the Jeters and have thoroughly enjoyed getting to, re getting to know them once again. <laughs> and um, so we provide a monthly meal to the Jeters as long as, you know, whatever else they might be in need of. And Tom, my part in this is uh, what I've been doing for the last 34 plus years, whatever she tells me to do. And we get along just fine when I do that. But no, I, um, you know, this morning when I was coming up here, and I see it every Sunday, but when you come into the Welcome Center, there's some letters, there's something above the door there, and it says, you're about to enter the Great Commission. And it's great to come in here and feel all warm and fuzzy <clears throat> on a Sunday and say we'll pray for people and do things. And that's important, but it's when we hit that pavement, that's what really matters. And this guy to my left and his wife, I've got a lot of respect for them and really for their whole family for what they've done. And um, I've met the girl that, that, Savannah is her name, if I'm allowed to say that. And uh, she's as sweet as can be. And uh, you know, most of us were lucky enough to grow up with two parents and uh, this girl has a mother who wants to take care of her, and, and that's what we're trying to, you know, help her with. But uh, there's just a lot of need out there. Amanda? I serve as a team leader for the Knowles family. Um, for those of you who don't remember, um, back in the spring, Kim actually was the one that did our um, video kind of introducing um, the FAM ministry. Um, and she is the daughter of um, Melissa and Lee Washam. Um, her and her husband have taken in her nephew, and they're trying to provide a stable home for her. So I serve as a team leader for that care group. Um, mainly, it's about 30 minutes of my time um, every month to set up the calendar. It's really simple. You set up the calendar so that somebody takes that monthly meal um, a weekly meal to them um, one time a month. So that is my role. Um, and then, as they said, I'm waiting on approval from the state to become a foster parent. All right. Thank you. Now, um, tell us maybe the greatest victory that you have uh, encountered while been serving in this ministry. Um, for me, the greatest victory is um, for the Knowles. I've, a lot of times I feel like we're just taking a meal, that we're not doing enough. Um, they're the ones that are taking in their nephew. Um, they're the ones in the trenches going through court trying to get custody of their nephew. And for me, I feel like all we're doing is just taking a meal. Um, when I shared that with Kim, she shared with me some of the things that um, 
that our care group has provided for them, and it goes way beyond a meal. She says that we are the backbone for um, her and her family. This entire church, not just the um, care group, but the entire church, they found a church home. They've been searching for um, a year. They've been married now for a year, and they found a church home based off of um, a care group coming around them. They bring their children um, down to the family, um, to the children's ministry, and they they enjoy coming to learn the word. Um, so it goes goes way beyond just bringing a meal. Um, they, they've now found a church home and they've gotten involved in a Sunday school class. So for me, that's, that's huge. Um, as for personally, what got me involved in the ministry, um, as many of you remember, two years ago, we had our first foster child that um, my parents brought into our home. And many don't know, but me and Elise, um, the two oldest in the family were totally against fostering. Um, I've worked in social service for eight years now, and I knew the risk, and I was not for it. Um, we butt heads with mama and daddy. <laughs> no, we are not doing this, not for it. Um, May 30th, 2015, we held Courtney in our arms for the first time, and our hearts broke. As Tom said, they don't ask to be put in this situation. They don't ask to be brought into a family that's not ready for them. Um, but it opened our eyes, and we were the first ones on the flight um, in March to go see her. Um, we went up to Kansas City and were reunited. We've been reunited eight times now. Um, so for us, that's a huge kingdom win that we got to stay involved in her life. Um, so for the Knowles, they, they provide a stability, um, a safe house for their nephew. For us, um, we continue to provide um, a safe place for um, other foster children. But the kingdom win for us is we continue to, um, now our family's grown by four members. It's not just um, Courtney, but it's her um, sister that's also seven years old and her parents. And we've continued that relationship. So it's just... The wins, they're hard to find sometimes, and that's a hard question for us to answer because in so much evil, it's hard for us to look and find. You know, we get emotional, but you got to search for the wins sometimes. It's not always easy. The Knowles still haven't gotten the answer that they want. Um, we want custody of their nephew. Um, they want custody of their nephew, but it's not always that easy. We've got to search for the little wins, um, and hopefully eventually we'll get to that big win, um, winning you know, a safe place for these children. Um, not having been involved for that long, the biggest win that I've seen is with Savannah and the love that the Jeters have provided for her. She has flourished tremendously in the past few months when she came as a toddler. Um, she did not, she could not crawl, she could not walk. And now she is walking just a few short months later and she is, as far as I know, is trying to speak and say a few words. So that progress alone has been such a blessing. And also um, the progress that has made, that has been made trying to reunite her with her mother and things that are happening in that situation are, are just tremendous. What she said. No, <laughs> uh, no it, it was, it's kind of funny. We met briefly, I met the girl and I didn't know we were going to get involved with this, and you hadn't even announced the program, and I met Savannah. And, uh, yeah, the, in just two weeks, the change that she had just from 
you know, having some people love on our was just incredible. I think the biggest win is, is hearing these children and being able to share God's love with them. Um, hearing them want to sing this light of mine. Savannah will look around the room and see and point if you're not doing it. She'll point to you and say, hey, hey. Um, you know, seeing these children do things like that and have, you know, one of our shortest placements was 13 days. And um, hearing the older brother on the, on the monitor at night <clears throat> singing Jesus loves me. I mean, th those are the wins for Christ. Pass it on down. I got one right here. Mm -hmm. oh. um, many of you have already been involved in some way with our fam, family advocacy ministry, making meals, being in prayer, supporting uh, these folks and others that are working in the ministry and serving. Uh, or perhaps you have been seeking God's direction for uh, adopting or being a foster parent. If you've been involved in any way, we want to honor you and we want to see who you are. So would you take a moment and please stand and let everyone see. If you've been involved in these ministries in any way, please stand. Don't be shy. There we go. Don't there we go. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. You've heard this morning of the ways that you can be involved. Not everybody can adopt and not everybody is prepared to be a foster parent yet, but you can be. And I know that we have brought a lot of information to you this morning, and there's so much more that we can tell you. So we are having lunch for you. If you're interested, after the worship service in the fellowship hall, to explain how you can be more involved in praying for our ministry, being a, a prayer warrior, a support partner, and also how you can be involved in fostering and even adopting and caring for children and hurting families that just need an opportunity to know the Lord and to know that God loves them so much. Thank you. Let's thank our panelists for being up here, being put on the spot. This Sunday is Orphan Sunday around our nation and world. A lot of churches are emphasizing what we can do in orphan ministry. And orphan ministry is just one part of the uh, FAM ministry. But what I wanted to talk to you about today was just a little bit about adoption uh, from Scripture. And before I do that, though, you may have noticed that we've got a new bulletin cover. We've been in a series on unity and we're going to continue to focus on unity as a church. That is our marching orders right now from the Lord Jesus, that we be one church unified. But this idea of not being alone, that came out of our staff discussion this last week. It, really two, two purposes. One is that we want to communicate to children and those in need that they're not alone. And we also want to communicate to you wanting to serve in this kind of family ministry that you're not alone. We wanted you to see uh, real people from this church, not just ministers or pastors who are saying this is something you can do. We wanted you to see real people that are part of this church that are serving in capacity uh, to do ministry to children and families. That you're not alone and that we're here to help. That if you're considering uh, adoption yourself, that you're not alone. That we're going to form a care group around you to support you in this important ministry. So when we think about adoption in the Bible... In the Old Testament, the actual theological idea, and there is a strong theological connection in the New Testament to adoption, and we'll get to that in a moment. But in the Old Testament, there's two um, heroes of the Old Testament that were adopted. And the first is Moses. 
If you know the story of Moses, it's found in the book of Exodus. But in the beginning of Exodus, Moses is born, and he didn't choose to be born when he was born. He was born at a time that the king, the pharaoh of Egypt, declared that every Hebrew boy born under the age of two was to be put to death. And so Moses' parents had a choice. And they chose to place their son into a basket and they put him in the water of the Nile. And in the providence of God, that little baby boy made his way and was discovered by the daughter of the king of Egypt. And it took a mother with compassion to reach out and make that child her own. She knew the order. The order was that every Hebrew boy was to be put to death. But she let compassion overcome a terrible, terrible edict by her father. And she welcomed that child in and adopted him. So we look at Moses and his role to lead Israel out of Egypt into freedom. And we see him and say, oh, wow, what a hero Moses is. But where would Moses be without that daughter of Pharaoh who adopted Moses into her family. It wouldn't be a Moses. The Moses that we know, that is. The deliverer, the one who led Israel out of captivity. Then you fast forward several hundred years in the Old Testament. You come to the book of Esther. And in the book of Esther, we often don't think about this, but Esther herself was an orphan. In fact, the book of Esther, chapter 2, verse 7, tells us this about her uncle named Mordecai, that he was bringing up Hadassah, that is Esther, the daughter of his uncle, for she had neither father nor mother. The young woman had a beautiful figure and was lovely to look at. And when her father and her mother died, Mordecai took her as his own daughter. We often forget that Esther was an orphan and was adopted by her uncle Mordecai. And this is significant because God fashioned her and made her and she was a beautiful young woman and the Lord used her beauty to get her into the royal house of the king of Persia and she becomes the queen. Now, Earlier, Moses leads Israel out of captivity in physical bondage in a foreign country. Here, Israel has had their promised land. They've lost control of it, been conquered by foreign empires, and they're in exile. So once again, Israel is in captivity, and God raises up someone like Esther, who will be an advocate for her people. And God uses Mordecai, especially to be that spiritual leader in her life, to speak truth. At a time when Esther overhears that there has been a decree that the king has said that he would wipe out all the Hebrews living there in Persia, yet this Esther listens to the voice of the man who is now raising her, Mordecai. And she takes a big risk. And she becomes the hero of the story, the hero of the nation of Israel because of her great courage. But she was an orphan. And we forget that. Now in the Old Testament, the concept of God as Father is understood on a corporate basis. In the New Testament, Jesus teaches us to pray, our Father, a personal concept that God is our Father in heaven. That was revolutionary for the people of his time. 
But the concept of God as father of the nation was not new. It's found many times in the Old Testament. Even in the New Testament, in the book of John chapter 1, we see how when we become followers of God through faith in Jesus Christ, that we become God's children individually. John 1.12, but to all who did receive him, him's Jesus, who believed in Jesus' name, God gave the right to become children of God. So believing in Jesus, we become God's children. Then in 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, John continues in his letter, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. And I'll stop there. So God makes us his children. But then God goes beyond that. He uses language of adoption. And it's not just like God's kind of second plan. No, it's real clear. The book of Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5 is crystal clear. That God's purposes for all eternity past was to adopt us. He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. God has a purpose. God has a plan to adopt us into his family. Now God could just simply say, you're my children. But that language of adoption is there for a reason. Because it's important that we understand that's our relationship with our father. That he has adopted us into his kingdom, into his family. When you go to the book of Galatians chapter 4, you find there a parallel passage within Romans chapter 8. Probably the most extensive verse-by-verse teaching in the Bible on the relationship of adoption theologically, spiritually speaking. But it also applies to adoption that we experience. Look at Galatians chapter 4. I reference this verse a lot because in God's specific timing, he sent Jesus. But it says, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you're sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, Abba, Father. Then the next verse says, so you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Anytime there's redemption paid, there's a cost. And God paid a great price in sending his son Jesus to be the redemption for us. That it cost him his life. Jesus gave his life on the cross and rose from the dead to redeem, to purchase us from the dead, to purchase us, to adopt us into his family. There's a cost for adoption. And there's a cost for those that choose to adopt today. There's a cost for David and Lydia Martinez, friends that I know who sold all they had and moved to Honduras and they now have the largest orphanage in the nation of Honduras. There's a cost for Matt and Jessica Bush who we support as a church at First Baptist who have an orphanage in Haiti. There's a cost to taking care of orphans. There's a cost to those that choose to bring orphans into their own home. A financial cost, a physical cost. There's a cost, but the reward is worth it. Because the reward is that we, as sons of God, adopted into his family, can cry, Abba, a term of endearment, intimacy, daddy. And I can only imagine the reward for those that choose to adopt or work in orphan care ministry with orphanages around the world, to hear those children say, daddy, mommy, the reward is worth it. The cost 
is worth being paid. Romans chapter 8 is really parallel to Galatians 4. In verses 15 through 17, now the whole chapter is about the freedom we have in Christ, walking in the Spirit, not according to the flesh or the, the, the sinful nature. Paul says, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him, in order that we may also be glorified with him. It's not just that we're made children of God, adopted to his family. But very specifically, there's an inheritance for us. And we're joint heirs with Jesus. That Jesus Christ is our older brother. The very son of God. That he is, we're family with him. We're joint heirs with Jesus. And all that God has promised his son, eternity, blessing, rule, <laughs> The Bible says that we'll, we, we will reign with Christ. We share in his rule, in his reign, in his glory. And it's an incredible love that God has. And we have an inheritance because we're adopted. We're part of the family. I read uh, this week uh, about John Piper. John Piper had four, has four grown sons. But his, his wife, Noel, always wanted a daughter. So late in life, when he was 50 years old, they adopted a little girl into their family. And he writes in, to his wife about how he knew her heart was to have a daughter and how they had to redo their will. And in their will, they made it even among all their children, their four sons, and now their adopted daughter because she would receive full inheritance. And God does that for us out of his great grace and mercy. This is true love, to expand what we have to our own children and share with children who have no one to love them. That's why I'm so excited about the fam ministry at our church. In Matthew chapter 18, Jesus uses a child as an object lesson and he shows those around him. His disciples were there, he says in verse 1. They came to Jesus saying, who is the greatest in the kingdom? And then he calls a child up there, just as, as Tom used Kara to, as an example there with a box. As an example, Jesus had an example right there with his disciples. Calling them a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. So when we receive a child into our homes, when we surround a foster family or a safe family or a family that's adopted, when we do something like this, we are receiving Jesus. We are doing as Jesus said in the parable of the sheep and the goats. We're doing it unto the least of these. Jesus says, you're doing it unto me. There are many verses that speak of God's concern for the fatherless, for the orphan, for the widow, for the, for the alien, the sojourner, the one in need. There's plenty of Bible verses that I could read, but I'll leave you with one. James 1, 27. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father, is this. To visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. 
you know, religion gets a bad rap. Even in, in the church, we say we're not into religion, we're into relationship. And I get that. It's all about having a relationship with Jesus. But this is true religion. This is true belief, true theology that we care that for, that we love, that we visit, that we support both widow and orphan, and that we keep ourselves pure before God in right relationship and love for Him. There's command here in the Bible to care for these forgotten classes of people, widows and orphans. They may be forgotten to humans on earth, but they're not forgotten to God. Just think about where you are because of God's great love for you. And think about how you might today respond in obedience to the ministry of orphan care. Pray with me. Father, as we come now to sing a prayer to you, asking you to show us how to love We know the greatest example of love is Jesus, that he gave his life. Lord, may we be willing to give of our time, our money, even our own homes, to open our hearts to these in need. There are more children in need than we as one church by ourselves can meet the need. But Father, we know that your body working together, we're better together than by ourselves, that we can reach into the darkness. We can be the hands and feet of Jesus and that we can make a difference in the lives of these families that we can touch physically and spiritually. God, help all of us to take stock this morning and ask ourselves, what are we doing to help families thrive? How can we support and strengthen the family advocacy ministry of this church? How can we even consider opening our homes to the least of these? Help us, Father, to be obedient and faithful to whatever you tell us to do. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Anthony's going to come and lead us in a song that we learned, I think, last week or the past two weeks. It's a great little chorus. It's a prayer. God, show us how to love. And maybe this morning you need to respond in some way publicly to the message. In just a moment, we're going to have a a conclusion in our service. We're going to lay hands on these boxes and and dedicate them and send them in the power of the Spirit. But before we do that, this is your chance. Would you stand with me now? Maybe it's time to join this church. We're not a perfect church, but we long desperately to love children and families because Jesus loves children. We want to love children because Jesus is our Savior and Lord. And maybe it's time for you to say, I want to be part of this family. I want to know what it means to have a, a Father in heaven who loves me. And you can know that today. Today you can be the day of your salvation, that you can be adopted into the greatest family of all, the family of God where Jesus Christ can be your older brother and redeem you from your sins. Today you come. This altar is open. Just respond as God leads you today. I want to invite Tom Farr to come lead us now in our time of dedicating these boxes. And make sure if you're a veteran, before you go today, get your T-shirt. It's in the gym on some of the tables. Get your T-shirt today. And there's a lunch today as well in the Fellowship Hall for more information about the FAM ministry. Tom, guide us through this time. And also, there will be a Yes. of the slides right after the service, yeah. too, for those of you who didn't quite get a good glimpse. Of all our veterans. Amen. And some of you still have shoe boxes that keep coming. That's great. If you've got shoe boxes in your lap or at your feet, you bring them up here now. If you don't, I'm inviting everybody to come up who will. We're going to lay hands on these boxes and pray for them. So step out of your seat if God leads you to. Otherwise, stay at your seat and pray. But let's join our hearts together. 
all who will, come forward and pray for these shoe boxes, and that we send them all over the world in God's care. Would you join me in prayer? Our Father, we thank you for giving us the blessings that you have given to us so that we might take them and give them away. Lord, thank you for all the people in our church and our community who have sacrificed to put things in these boxes to send to boys and girls all over the world. Most importantly, thank you for putting in these boxes the care and love and compassion that Jesus shows to us so that a little boy or a little girl that lives somewhere far, far away will come to know Jesus like we know Jesus. And Father, their family will be touched for Christ as well. We pray for six, eight, ten people to come to know Jesus because of one box. God, you already know who's going to be getting each box. We pray that as you prepare that child and the family of that child and the community, the village, the town of that child, that they would receive the words of the gospel. Father, for the many hands that have prepared these boxes and packed them with care and love, we pray that these boxes would arrive with that care and that compassion being obvious. And so, Lord, we commit these boxes to you. And not only these, but those that will be coming to our church this week to be sent all over the world. That your will be done. That boys and girls and their families will come to know Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Now, before you leave, make sure you come up here and help. We've got to take all these boxes down to the New Life building. And our helpers have arrived, but we need all your help, too.